All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome to H2O. So glad you guys could be with us. Love this time of the year. So fun to be uh, celebrating so many different things. Uh, so wonderful to see the children up here and a timely message talking about the children being dedicated because we're going to be talking about Mary today and her perspective on this whole Christmas story, and we're very excited about that. But also, before I jump into that, on a celebratory note, we had some uh, people in our H2O network, uh, some of our staff and our leaders, graduate from seminary this weekend. So I have a picture of them here. Look at that. Yes, very exciting weekend. So in our H2O network, we have this cohort. They all went through seminary together, got a master's degree. A bunch of us traveled down to North Carolina to a Southern Baptist Seminary down there near Wake Forest to celebrate them. So that was very exciting, and we are so proud of them. We got some smart people in our church now, okay? So you got any questions about the Bible? Just find one of those people. They'll have all the answers for you now because they have a master's degree. So congratulations to all of you guys. We're so thankful for you, and uh, what, what a great weekend. Sean Salat is in there. So Sean, child dedication and a seminary degree. How great. Very, very excited for all of them. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Mary today. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we look into the Bible, and, and obviously there's many heroes in the Bible. And oftentimes we see all these male examples in the Bible. Uh, a lot of our Bible heroes and a lot of the, the stories and the teachings that we do are centered around the men in the Bible. But we were excited about taking this opportunity to highlight a hero of the faith, Mary, one of the ex exceptional women in the Bible that maybe we don't always give attention to. And just to give a little bit of background, I think sometimes because of the Catholic perspective on Mary, sometimes in our Protestant churches, we don't talk about Mary as much. I grew up Catholic, spent 12 years in Catholic school, and after uh, you know, I got more involved here, I thought, oh, I'm not so sure about all those beliefs that we had as a Catholic about Mary. And so sometimes we could look at the Catholic faith and think, man, maybe some of those things are over-elevating who Mary is. And we, we kind of can look at that and say, gosh, we're not sure uh, how much of that is, is biblical and we're uncomfortable with that. And so as Protestants, we can kind of belittle Mary. We can kind of downplay her role. But what we're trying to do today and really uh, hope that this comes through in God's Word is Mary's an amazing hero of the faith. Yes, she, she, was sin, she, she had sin in her life. She was not a sinless person. She had her struggles and her questions like all of us, but Mary was a hero that we can learn so much from. And during this Christmas season, as we ponder the things in our heart of these miraculous things that we celebrate at Christmas, we can look to Mary and really be excited about her response and be challenged in our own hearts of how she went through this amazing experience raising Jesus. So we're going to jump in. Let me pray. And most of the chapters uh, that we're going to be in here are in Luke. I've been kind of battling a little bit of sickness, so I'm hoping and praying that I'm not going to have a little coughing spell here. If I do, I'm probably going to have them mute my mic, and you guys can just read in the book of Luke while I cough. You know, I, I was battling through this, and, and I was telling my kids, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to teach tomorrow. And one of my loving, compassionate children said, you know, Brian Wiles was losing his voice and he still preached. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Kind of one of those suck it up buttercup moments. 
So here I am. I've got to push through because I've got to measure up to Brian Wiles. So I'm excited about this message and excited about these verses. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Lord, what a wonderful season this is to ponder the miraculous things that you have done. Lord, we gather together here today to dive into your word and to say, Lord, we believe that you're doing amazing things. You're interacting in this world, and we believe that you want to do something supernatural through all of our lives. Lord, thank you for Mary's response to all these incredible things that happened and her important role in this Christmas story. Lord, would we personally be challenged and encouraged and moved in deep ways, Lord, by her life and her response to you. Speak to us where we are today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and right before this passage that we're going to read, Elizabeth and Zechariah find out that they're pregnant, and this is a miraculous thing, and they are pregnant with John the Baptist, who's in Elizabeth's womb, and that's what we're going to pick up in the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is important because Elizabeth is Mary's sister. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So Mary has this incredible supernatural experience with Gabriel. Imagine putting yourself in her shoes. She's there, probably a teenager, as Brian Wiles was talking about last week. This young girl, this godly woman, this humble woman, probably totally unexpected of anything spectacular happening in her life. And she has this unexpected encounter with this angel, Gabriel. Obviously, it would be overwhelming, right? Obviously, it would be like, what is going on? So the angel comforts her, says, don't be afraid. It's okay. Here is what's going to happen. You are going to become pregnant. You're going to name him Jesus. And this is going to be the Most High God, the Lord coming to earth and his kingdom will never end. Wow, what an amazing message for someone to receive, right? You'd be blown away. You'd be like, what is going on? Now, one of the first questions any woman would have, you know, you're going to have a baby. You'd think, okay, time out. I've never had sex before. I'm a virgin. I'm not planning on having, what in the world, how is this going to happen? And he says, the Holy Spirit is just going to make it happen. So Mary has these questions and concerns. I'm a virgin. I'm not even married yet. How is this going to work out? And Mary doesn't get very many details on how this is going to work out, but God gives her the information that she needs to know, and he simply says, this will be accomplished 
by the Holy Spirit. This is what they call the, uh, the Immaculate Conception. So she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which, which reassures our, our belief about the incarnation and about who Jesus is, that he was fully man, but he was also fully God. And of course, she would have been fear, filled with fear and just wondering, what is this going to mean for me? I'm not even married yet. What are people going to think of me? But yet she responds in an amazing way. It says that um, you know, she has this incredible faith that she's just going to allow this to happen. She's going to go with this. This experience with Gabriel would have been overwhelming and troubling and unexpected. But here is how she responds in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's look at this response by her. She said, you know, I'm the Lord's servant. She has this kind of this statement about her identity. You know, this isn't my life to hold on to. I'm God's servant. And whatever you're saying to me, let it be so. May your will be done. What an important message. What an important word that she has here that she has this place of surrender, this heart of surrender to what God has for her. You know, for many of us, it is difficult for us to go through life, right, without wanting to have control and knowledge of everything that's going on. That is a big challenge for all of us. Even as I was just mentioning when we just, uh, many of us flew down to North Carolina for this graduation and my plane was delayed. And if you've ever stood in an airport and you're just waiting for your plane to be, you know, to get on the plane and they just keep delaying it, and oftentimes they don't give you the information that you want. And, and I'm okay, I understand like there's going to be delays and there's going to be difficulties when you're traveling, that's just part of life. But I, one of the pet peeves I have is when they just don't tell you what's going on. You know, if they just said, hey, because of some weather, we're delayed, or the wing is falling off and we're duct taking it back together, you know, just something, you know, the pilot isn't here yet, anything, just give me some details and that will give me a little bit more patience. And I'm sure Mary was so longing for details. She was so longing for a little bit of control in this situation. What is Joseph going to think? What are the people in my town going to think? How am I going to raise the Son of God? And in all her questions, in all her turmoil, in all her, her troubled heart, she says, you know what? Let this be fulfilled the way that you want. She has this heart of surrender. You know, um, one of the poems that I really love that kind of, to me, um, embodies this, like, we need to give up control of our lives is a poem that I had read at my wedding because it's a, a really important poem to me, and it's called The Bike Ride. Not sure if you've heard this before, but it kind of encapsulates this life of surrender that every one of us needs to have as we follow Jesus. And here's the poem. It's a, it's a little bit longer poem, but it's worthwhile in uh, just showing this adventure that we live with Christ. And here's how it goes. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong, so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there, sort of like a president. I recognized the picture when I saw it, but I didn't really know him. 
But later on, I recognized Jesus. It seemed as though life was rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Jesus was in the back pedaling with me. I don't know just when he suggested that we change places, but life has not been the same ever since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring and predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried and I was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer. And I started to trust. I forgot about my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when I'd say I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. They gave me their gifts to take on my journey, our journey, God's and mine. And we were off again, he said. Give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received, and still our burden was light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knew bike secrets. He knew how to make it bend to take sharp corners, jump to clear high places filled with rocks, fly to shorten scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places And I'm beginning to enjoy the view of the cool breeze on my face and my delightful companion, Jesus. And when I'm sure I can't do it anymore, he just smiles and says, pedal. You know, for many of us, we, we go through this life, we come to church, we go home, and we live our lives. And maybe we're kind of hoping for a boring, predictable life that we can control. And you know, this time of the year, this Christmas season reminds us that we are part of something. When we decide to follow Jesus, that we're part of something miraculous. We're part of something spiritual and something supernatural. And I know that there's even Christians out there today and seculars that debate whether the Bible is even true, whether miraculous things even happen. And maybe you're sitting there today during this Christmas season, you're thinking, yeah, I'm not even sure. A virgin giving birth? Angels speaking to people? This whole Christmas message could make you skeptical. And I just want to remind you, I want to tell you that we believe with all of our heart in these miraculous things. This is real. And God wants to do supernatural things in your heart. And in your life. And we have to embrace this. We have to say, God, I want to see you in my life. I want to see the miraculous happen in my life. And just as Mary was going through these experiences thinking, am I crazy? Because everybody's calling me crazy. People are doubtful of what's happening to me. And she had to surrender to this. She had to say, yes, God, I believe that what you're saying is true, that your promises are true, and that these things, all they seem illogical, you're doing something great. And that's where God wants us to live in that space. But God continues to give confirmations when we have doubts. He's merciful 
that way. And he continues to give her confirmations. So here's what happens in the next passage, starting in verse 39. Mary goes off to visit her sister, Elizabeth, and she gets another confirmation in this supernatural story. In verse 39, it says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. What an incredible experience here that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the baby inside of her is filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first witness of Jesus, isn't this an amazing thing? The first prophetic thing or the first you know, tangible thing on earth of who recognizes Jesus as Messiah is this unborn baby, John the Baptist, in the womb. You know, we really love talking about the pro-life cause here in our church. And we think the sanctity of life is so important. It's something that we get behind with all of our hearts. And this passage is just one of them that kind of highlights that, that this unborn baby is, is praising who Jesus is. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says the same thing. Wow, Mary, this is amazing who you are. You are this person that is blessed. You are a person that has believed that whatever God has promised is going to come to, uh, to fruition. It's going to come to fulfillment. After this experience, as, as Pastor Wiles shared last week, they went on this long journey back to Bethlehem where the baby is going to be born in the manger. And uh, what, what another just big trial that Mary has to go through. It's an amazing adventure that she's going through. And as he said, just going on this long trip, ready to give birth, sitting on this donkey, you know, I'm, I'm sure it would have been a really difficult situation. And even when they get there and there's no room for them, you know, this could have been one of those times where we don't see Mary complain very much. We could speculate into the scriptures, but it just seems like the whole way she's just like, man, I'm just going with this. You know, she could have been prodding Joseph and said, hey, did you make some reservations, you know, before we got here? Did you call ahead? Did you prepare? Come on, Joseph. But she's just got this faith, and she's got this steadiness. So she gives birth. The baby's in a manger. Baby Jesus is born in this, this barn. And another amazing confirmation happens for Mary because God is leading her along the way, and she needs these confirmations. And so these shepherds are nearby in Bethlehem tending to their sheep, and the angel comes again to them and says, right in the town, tonight, the Savior of the world was born. Go and see him. Go and visit him. The shepherds are overwhelmed. They're blown away by this. It says in, verse, uh, in chapter uh, 2, verse 10, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Skipping down to verse 16. So they came in a hurry, the shepherds, and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they had made known the statement which had been told them about this Christ. I'll pause right there. So these guys come down. The angels have spoken to them. They show up. Mary and Joseph don't know who these strange shepherds are that just come. And they said, hey, here's what this angel just said to us. Now I'm imagining Mary just hearing this again for the first time like, wait, who are you? They said, we're shepherds. We're we're just out there minding our own business. And this angel came and spoke to us. And she said, well, what did they say? And they repeat this phrase. How that must have been so encouraging to her along this difficult journey. And we go on and it says, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were being told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. So Mary's pondering these things in her heart. As Lauren just read to us earlier in the service about this, this important verse of pondering these things and treasuring up these things in our hearts. I want to ask you during this Christmas season, are you treasuring God's work in your heart? Just as this phrase is repeated a couple times for Mary, that she's pondering these things. She's thinking, God, what are you doing? She, she gets some answers, knowing that she's carrying the Savior of the world, but just knowing how this is going to work out. There must have been so many difficulties. But she's thinking about it, and she's pondering it, and she's having faith. And you know, God wants you to be in that same place during this Christmas season. There's probably difficulties and struggles and things going on in your heart. And you're wondering, God, what are you doing in these situations? What are you up to? And it's so important for you and I to just take the time to ponder in our rushed life, in our busy life, to just kind of pause and meditate and think about the things that God's doing, allowing Him to speak to us. And then when He speaks to us and just gives us that next confirmation for that next step to take in this adventure with Him, we treasure that. We value that. We hold that in our hearts. You know, in trying to explain the, uh, the miraculous things that God is doing in our life is very difficult. I know as I'm just even, I think about like the apologetics of our faith. And sometimes we go home and we're interacting with our family. We're interacting with friends. We're interacting with the people are in, in, our, in our workplaces. And we're trying to share with them this story of Jesus. And it could be very easy for us to try to explain away the miraculous things of the Bible or the miraculous things that we're doing, that he's doing in our lives. But it's so important for us to verbalize that and not explain it away. In this last section here, we're going to read about this part where Mary loses the Savior, <laughs> where Mary loses Jesus. 
You know, if you've ever been in that situation where you're uh, in a store with your children and they kind of go hide underneath the, uh, the clothes or they're going around the corner and you don't know where they are for a moment, it is very troubling. It's very upsetting when you don't know where your kids are. And this is the situation that happens with Mary. They're taking this large caravan back home. And these caravans could have been anywhere from like 50 to 100 people. Who knows? And they're all just traveling together with their donkeys and their, their things and their carriages and everything. And they're moving along in this uh, large caravan. And often the children would probably just mingle in and out of this caravan. So it wasn't unlikely that Mary and Joseph were not right next to Jesus during this time. But it the, the, the startling thing of it is they travel a whole day not knowing where he is. So it says uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 46, after three days of looking, when they realized that Jesus wasn't in this caravan, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. There's that phrase again. So after three days of looking, and I highlight this point because I think, wow, what an anxious moment for Mary. But she was just a regular person like any one of us. She would have been terrified. What have I done? I've lost the Messiah. I'm probably going to be in trouble for this. You know, Joseph, I thought you were watching him. I thought you were watching him. Joseph, you didn't get us a reservation in the hotel. Now you've lost the Messiah. Come on, Joseph. And then when they find him, I love this terminology here. Jesus, what have you done to us? Do you know how anxious we've been? Joseph probably said, you know, do you see what you're doing to your mother? What are you doing? And Jesus has this profound statement. Why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know? Didn't you know? Didn't you know where I would be right away? And it says right in here, no, we didn't know. I, I, maybe we were supposed to know. You're only 12 years old, but you're already ready to be in the temple, teaching people about God, asking questions, challenging people. What an amazing child this was. At 12 years old, the people were amazed at his words. Mom and dad, didn't you know I'd be there? I'd be doing my father's work. And they said, no, we didn't know. Obviously, we didn't know. You're grounded, mister. <laughs> and they travel back home. And you know, man, I identify with that because if you're a parent here today, you know there's so many times in all honesty as you're raising a child like Mary was raising the Messiah, you don't know. You want to know so badly, but you don't know. You don't know who they're with all the time. 
You don't know how they're going to turn out. You don't know what their faith in Christ is going to be like, who they're going to marry. All these things that you could worry about. And God is asking us to trust him as we raise these children. Mary was probably crying out to God, help me raise your son. Because I feel ill-equipped. I'm not a perfect parent. I'm sure Mary thought that. But God gave her grace along the way. And we are in that same spot. We can be just like Mary. We can relinquish control of our children and say, God, help me. These are your children. Help me to do the best I can. But they're your children. You move them. You lead them. You encourage them and draw them to yourself. Because ultimately we are just stewards and we surrender that control to God. And as we close this, I just think about the very end of Mary's faith, seeing her own son crucified on the cross. Did you know that in the scriptures early on when Jesus was just a baby, he went into the temple, very similar to the child dedication that we just had. You know, we have those families come up here and it's really beautiful to see them offer their children to God and say, we want to raise our children in a godly way. And in the, in the temple, they would bring their babies in to offer them to God. And you know, when Mary and Joseph did that, there was this godly man there named Simeon. And Simeon took Jesus into his hands during this child dedication and he said... God told me I wouldn't die until I hold his salvation in my hands. Wow, what an incredible prophecy. And Simeon got to hold the Messiah in his hands. And he said, I can now die in peace because this thing that God told me has come to fruition. And Mary and Joseph got to hear that. And what a great high moment of, of just celebration right? And in the very next phrase during this beautiful moment, and this is what parenthood is like. This is what Mary would have gone through. He said, this is the Messiah, and I got to hold him in my hands, but a very sword will be pierced through your soul, Mary. Prophesying about this crucifixion and how her heart would just be torn apart, watching her son be mutilated for you and I. And Simeon told her that when he was just a baby. This is going to tear you up. And I really love in the movie, The, the Passion of Christ, how that's depicted. I think they depict that so beautifully. This heart-wrenching experience that this sweet woman, this hero of the faith, Mary, watching God's plan played out, that he would heal and he would love and he would do these miraculous things and he would comfort people with his love, telling them, I'm here because I love you and I want to save you. But then seeing him go to the cross would have been so agonizing. And just like we suffer through watching our children go through hard things, Mary would have understood that in deeper ways than you and I understand. And yet in all of it, there's a bigger picture 
of the suffering. There's the bigger picture of why Jesus suffered. And why you and I suffer is to remind us that this place is not our home. You know this song that we're going to sing next, it has this line in it. It says, the child that you delivered will soon deliver you. We're going to sing this song right now after I pray. And it's an important reminder of the gospel and what this season is all about. Is Mary had to know through this whole process why Jesus was born, why all these miraculous things happened, because her son was going to deliver all of us from our sin. And what an amazing responsibility that she had to be the parent to him. So let's pray, let's thank God for his deliverance, that each of us has that opportunity to be delivered from our sin because of that great sacrifice of Jesus. Lord, we come before you and ask that we would have a surrendered heart and a a heart full of faith, just like Mary did. Lord, she went through uh, such a... um, mountain-high experiences of, of seeing all this happen with angels and prophecies. Lord, and then such difficult times of valleys to see her, her son rejected, to see her son hurt. And Lord, we ask that we would ponder up these things in our hearts, Lord, as the mountaintop experiences and the valleys happen in our own life that we would treasure these things in our heart and say, God, what are you up to in our own lives? Lord, help us not to miss the supernatural things happening in our lives and to just belittle them or to uh, have a skeptical heart. But Lord, help us to see your work. God, we are so thankful during this season. We repeat it over and over again. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, to deliver us from our sins. Lord, we are so needy of your forgiveness and we're so grateful for it. Lord, we've, we've done so much to stray from you and we thank you that you've done nothing but want to draw us back into a relationship with you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.